everybody, and welcome to On the Flank, episode number 21. I am one of your hosts, John George, alongside Joe Kirkpatrick. Say hello, Joe. Hey, everybody. And uh, Joe, today's a very special episode because on a normal episode, for the first time, we we have a guest with us, and it is uh, Florida Mayhem's side streamer, Andrew. Say hello, Anne. Hello. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm excited. We we tweeted out um, beginning of 2019 that uh, our goal was to have uh, more guests on this podcast, and we are starting out strong two episodes into 2019. So thank you so much for joining us, Andrew, to get our get our goals started already. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so to, to switch up the sort, the format of, of the show this week, we're going to start out by just asking Anne some questions, uh, and then we'll get into the normal show with, uh, Anne. you guys both ready for that? For sure. All right. Should be a good one, I think. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Uh, so, so Anne, first, uh, uh, or Joe, Joe, you, you have the first question actually. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, so um, uh, I guess you know for, for those of you, uh, for those of our listeners who don't know, we might as well um, just start. I guess having you, um, you know, introduce yourself. You know, who, who are you? Um, what do you, what do you do in Overwatch? Um, how might how might they know you, or how can they find you? <laughs> yeah, so my name is Andro. I am um, a Twitch streamer, a Twitch partner, and I am signed with Florida Mayhem as their streamer representative for Twitch and you can find me on Twitch at Andro or on my other handles like Instagram, YouTube and Twitter with Andro Media and um, I'm like a 4500 uh, tank main but I also flex onto other roles at around like a GM to 4.2 level like I can play DPS at you know 4.2 and still do things and not feed and which is kind of nice as a player but um yeah so i'm on east coast so not a lot of people know about me from west or eu yet which is getting there yeah i've thought about vpning to west and getting some exposure so yeah um which so as um as as a florida florida mayhem streamer so they've signed you like is that um what's what's your role sort of um as a streamer for like the larger organization like are there um benefits for you from them or vice versa or how does that work oh absolutely i think there's there's benefits on both sides absolutely um um like a professional organization signing a streamer is such a good thing like overall for the organization for the streamer for the community and it's helpful for one, the streamer, because you get sponsored by a professional org that says, hey, you can have anything that you need to be successful in your industry. What do you need? Do you need a new computer? Do you need uh, like a new camera? Do you need, you know, th- this and that? And it's basically like helping streamers who might not make a lot of money, um, helping them thrive and giving them equipment and um, sponsoring them that way and it's also giving them huge amounts of exposure like I only had about 2k Twitter Twitter follows before I got signed and basically like 
as I got announced, I got a hundred followers like every night for about a week until I got up to like three K in a week. And it's kind of crazy to me because it's like before then it was maybe like I got like one or two follows like every day, but then like getting a hundred followers every day and the amount of exposure is just like insane as a as like a streamer. Um and it benefits the company, the organization, because it's like a streamer representative on the platform of Twitch, which is only getting more popular by the day. And I honestly believe that if every pro org sponsored streamers, that the community would be like thriving a ton and that like um, Twitch would be thriving, honestly. Yeah. And it's it's really like up to the professional orgs because Blizzard has been kind of like silent about streaming. They just recently built a new streaming like desk that they've been bringing streamers to. But I mean, this is like only happening like within the past couple months. Like they've been kind of silent on streamers. And so I think it's good that professional orcs are starting to like take over the role that Blizzard should have, which is, you know, support streamers because streamers literally run the community. And like if there's somebody who plays a game every day, they're going to watch streamers because like it's literally direct access to education and oftentimes entertainment. So, yeah. And that's, that's how it benefits the community essentially is because it's like, it's literally making streaming better quality, which then makes the community better quality because like they're not sponsoring like toxic streamers. They're sponsoring like streamers who are, like small time good pma etc and they're giving them like boosts and exposure with the already established fan base that they have yeah i i completely agree with that so how much how much interaction do you have with with florida mayhem themselves i i see that they they retweet your stuff they tweet out your stream every once in a while are they are they required to do that a certain amount of times or do they do they just throw it throw it out there every once in a while how often do you interact with them exactly it's definitely it's definitely um kind of like a lax interaction i mean i can't i'm like friends with them honestly like i just contact them and occasionally and say hey what's up um and they come and watch my stream occasionally and say hey what's up it's it's not really like it's not really like super businessy i don't feel like it's it's very casual like um they just kind of tweet whatever clips they want i i don't really send them send them clips it's it's always funny when i'm like oh wow this is like a two-month-old clip that they just tweeted but it's it's like what it's like it helps honestly like every clip they tweet tweet i just get a ton of exposure for basically nothing and it's it's honestly super helpful so yeah i i i was I've been writing uh, like a chapter for a book, uh, a lot, a section on Overwatch League, and I think uh, the best thing that Blizzard's sort of done is is getting these these franchises with are sort of creating a league with people with lots of money willing to invest lots of money, and like the Florida Mayhem, now they're able to uh, sort of give back that money to to players and streamers um, and give them enough support because, like you're saying, I don't think Blizzard wants to use that money themselves uh they want to use it themselves to create a good league or a good game itself but they want um these these franchises to to mostly give their money back to to the players and streamers is what i've noticed Mm -hmm. 
So, uh, uh, so, so I guess it's sort of several parts here, but um, so did, like, did you start uh, getting into streaming Overwatch um, before? Um, I assume probably before you joined up with Florida. Um, you, you know, how did how did you get into to, to stream it on Twitch? Um, but then, how did how did this connection with Florida come in? Also, um, I started streaming on Twitch as um, basically a hobby. I mean, I've been playing video games for quite a while. Um, I started playing like Counter Strike as a kid, and like um, Gary's mod, I had like almost two thousand hours on. So I was definitely a, a gamer as a kid. And it, it was something I loved and it was something my parents didn't support. And so I never really like thought about like how I could make money from this. But um, I just started streaming because I like really liked playing video games. But I felt like whenever I played Overwatch, I felt alone because I was high elo, if that makes sense. Like all my friends would be like gold and I'd be like high master or low GM. Yeah. And as a as a player it's like i just get really freaking lonely like like the point of playing video games for me was like hey i can play with all my friends for like hours and we can just like talk to each other and so when i started streaming and i found like a couple friends like i i literally only had like three people watch my stream and if they didn't watch my stream i was really sad at like the whole stream because i'm like oh nobody shut up <laughs> and that happened for like probably three months and um I think really what got me like multiple viewers to actually come and watch me was I was playing like in a low GM game and there was a streamer who was already established. They had 300 people on their stream and I was basically just like memeing around in voice chat and they found me really entertaining and decided to invite me to the stack and like we queued and became friends. And that's when I jumped viewership by like, I was no longer at zero people. I was at 20, you know, and wow. 20 is like a pretty good amount to climb from like zero viewers. So I suddenly just had 20 people all in my stream all the time just because I literally met another streamer. So that's kind of like really how it happens. And from there, building the 20 to like a 40 is just a matter of um, persistence of streaming. Wow. That, yeah. That's awesome. Um, and this... and second part of the question, I, it's n like no simpler than Florida Mayhem just watched my stream for like a couple weeks and found my attitude, my community, and my gameplay very appealing. So they contacted me through Twitter DM just being like, hey, do you want to join our team? And I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> So you don't you don't go looking for them; they'll find you. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I think I think it's hard to look for a team because if you like if you go up to a team and ask them, chances are they probably will say no. I mean, it's probably not bad that you're asking because you don't get anything in life without asking for it most of the time. But um, I think the number one step if you want to get signed is like literally just care about your community and like your stream like it's your job and like it's your life because that's what they want like they want full-time streamers who have dedication and passion for what they're doing and 
that was like the one thing they told me they really um admired yeah that's that's great um so is is streaming you, you clearly love it is it your ideal overwatch job do you want to eventually be competing in contenders overwatch league stuff like that um i talk about this on stream but so far i've um probably like i don't really want to go down the contenders route and i've been offered tryouts for owl teams but i denied them just because i said hey i want to i'm like a full-time streamer like this would really cut into it i don't really want to go pro and I, i'm still like in that kind of mindset i think when i was um a nobody streamer when i only had zero people that was like my goal is like hey i'm gonna grind to 4600 and get on a team and and be like a competitor and be like super role modely for you know lgbt people and um i think i gave up somewhere along the way just because i see like all the people retiring from overwatch league and from contenders and they're literally like moving over to streaming as like their number one thing and they like they're talking about like how streaming is so good and i'm like as a streamer like doing good as a streamer and it's like hey do you don't you want to go to contenders and like lose everything you've like made and it's like uh maybe yeah, maybe another you. time i'll think about it <laughs> maybe tomorrow but it's it's honestly like if if uh, like the tier two scene if it had a like a rehaul if blizzard just like took literally 20% of what they put into OWL and they put it into contenders and contenders was good and like flushed out and like um nice then I would probably join a contenders team yeah yeah um I agree there's there's some problem problems within the tier 2 scene uh for sure but even just being on the launcher or you know not having a <laughs> Twitch drops enabled during that, that's what I mean. finals like they, and all that. It's there's such a large disconnect. Like, why wouldn't the media team be working with contenders? It's it's so weird to me. Like, I don't know if <laughs> if they even just like thought about contenders as their own. Like, it would just be so much better, honestly. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so for your stream now, you know, we uh, talked about you know if, if people are interested. In coming to watch you, um, you know, how do you, how would you describe, um, you know, how your stream goes, at the, or, or your, um, like you said, you say, you say you play main tank a lot, um, you know, how, how would you describe um, the, the way you play and the way uh, your streams go down? Yeah, so I, um, I joined the game in season one. I um, one tricked Diva to top five hundred in the first season. And um, then I quit in the middle seasons, but I started to come back after I got my computer when I was home from college and I started to play like Reinhardt, like main tanks a lot. And I think like everybody starts the game of Overwatch out as a one trick and they kind of like force you to do that. Like they make like a character hero selection game, but they make it so that one tricks are punished in it which is kind of like a dumb thing in my opinion. But I mean, I started out as a Diva one trick and then a Rhine one trick. And then eventually after being flamed for being a Rhine one trick, I <laughs> decided to like actually play like Winston or as a wrecking ball, all the tanks. 
And then after playing all the tanks, I played all the healers. And then after playing all the healers, I played all the DPS except Doomfist. I'm shit at Doomfist. But I would describe my stream as like I have like a couple of moods I'm in. I have a mood where I just like play kind of silent and maybe interact with chat once in a while. I have a like a mood where I'm just like always interacting with chat, even when I'm playing. Like I'll always just like read anything. And then I have a mood where I'll basically just like try hard and like shot call and do everything and have like limited interaction. And um it's it's mainly like I interact with chat when I'm playing. Um because I feel a lot more connected to chat than I do the game most of the time, especially if I'm losing. Like chat, <laughs> chat, chat is my relief. I'm I I see people like, come on, you can do it, at winnable, and I'm like, fuck yeah, it is, dude. <laughs> but um, I would describe my stream also as slightly innovative. I try to have like things that a lot of other streamers don't do. Like I have um a lot of technical knowledge to my advantage. I do a lot of audio mixing. I do a lot of visual stuff like i have images loaded on and i have an elgato stream deck so i can have like a soundboard like i can have people like booing clapping and i can have like you know somebody dabbing just pop up on screen and then everybody spams dabs in the chat so i try to be slightly innovative with my streaming and eventually i want to make it sort of like a actual video broadcast and with like intro screens and like kind of like a, its own tv show i think is eventually what i want to like move towards by the end of the year and it's great that florida mayhem is um seeing my vision as well so nice that's what i that's what i hope most streamers move on to sort of more of tv tv style yeah i mean like a lot of streamers are like hey i'm just a guy in a room streaming on my computer and it's like that's that's totally cool but i'm yeah. i'm definitely like i want to be professional you know yeah that's awesome and i'm also a sucker for soundboards i don't know why but i <laughs> They're just hilarious to me. Um, like you, you, you just see someone feed, and you just put on the laugh track, and yeah. it's just—it's always funny. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, before we get to the last question, uh, moving on from your stream, do you want to? Do you do you have like a set stream schedule? Do you want to plug or anything like that? I stream like every day. Okay. I mean, awesome. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, so. Get into the last question here. A little bit of a more serious topic. So last last week on the show, we talked about uh, the whole Ellie Punisher situation with Second Wind, um, and I thought it would be interesting to get your perspective. And as a as a trans by streamer, uh, because me and Joe are just are, are white males, so we we don't have the we don't have the uh, perspective that I believe the audience really wants to hear. Um, so I want to know what you thought of the Ellie situations and uh, the effects it might have on female players, um, and if you you've seen any of those effects uh, since it happened. Oh wow! Um, I might talk a while. I might talk yeah. like a... go for it. Uh, go go right ahead. Basically, I found out about Ellie because um, I heard about like another girl like getting picked up from contenders, and I'm like, yeah, I was like, fucking finally like. And I mean, like, my only goal really is to, like, is support other women who want to go pro. And I do it because, like, they need the support. Like, anybody, any any girl who tries to go professional in Overwatch is just, like, literally bombarded with, like, harassment. And it's it's not, like, that there's, like, support for them. It's just that there's support 
and there's harassment. And so like, I just try to support um, as much as I can. And um, I found out about Ali and she followed me um, on Twitter and also added me on um, Overwatch. So we like played a couple games together and I mean, like I heard her voice and everything. So I'm like, okay, like this, how is this like, you know, Punisher with a voice changer. Yeah. And like, it, it's later found out that it was just like through a Discord call, which makes sense. But I mean, for me, it's kind of like I feel manipulated almost. Like, I feel heavily manipulated by this other person to basically gain my support when they didn't really need it and they didn't really. Um, yeah, they didn't need it. It was it was all just a fucking like fake. It was it was fake as hell, and for me, it just I kind of felt like disgusting after because it's like oh wow, like I was really like telling my viewers to like go follow them and like support them, and it's it's just kind of sad because it everybody really wanted a hero, and instead we got a villain. Yeah, and I've definitely felt the effects of it just yesterday i got into a 4400 game you know so like literally top 100 in the world or not world but any you know yeah of, of players and the second i get into game my name is annie in in game so people literally on my team a three stack asked me like oh are you a boy or a girl and i said like i don't give a fuck dude just win the game like <laughs> just play the game yeah I don't need this shit right now. And it was especially because of like, we're trying to like dive and shit and I'm trying to do calls and it's like, are you a boy or a girl? Like, dude, fuck <laughs> off. I don't care. And he, he like kept asking me over and over and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm offending you. It's like, you're not offending me. You're just being a fucking douche. Like, shut up. And, um, but then people just like say like, oh, it's probably Allie, you know, like, and I, I get that like almost <laughs> like every game. It's wow. just like, it's people just like call me Allie just because my name is Annie. And if you have a female name in Overwatch, you're Allie. Um, and people don't really see like anything wrong with it. They're like, ha, it's just Banner, you know? But it's like, you know, after getting it every single game, it's like, do you have any fucking other content? Do you have any other okay. original content? And it's like, you don't. It's it's just, um, the, the effects of it isn't like, I'm more annoyed and it's just because I'm annoyed. Like, nobody would have called me Ellie. Oh, it's just Ellie, you know? Like, so, I mean, the effects of it are clear. There's just, there's like, it didn't solve anything. You know, like the social experiment, that the so-called social experiment, it just made things worse. Like, so, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's like the worst thing that could have happened. Yeah, uh, me and Joe both agree with you completely it's great to get great to get your perspective on that that's that's just annoying just i mean that's gonna grow on you if everyone if everyone's calling you ellie everyone's bringing it up that's just that's just gonna mess with your gameplay and and annoy you i mean you, you you're getting in the game you're gonna you're trying to communicate you're trying to compete you're trying to win and they're just bringing up the stuff that that doesn't really matter uh in the end um if you guys are trying to win so yeah, that exactly. whole yeah that whole situation just just ugly, disgusting. Don't don't like it at yeah, all. Yeah, it it's just like manipulative behavior. Honestly, it's it's almost like sociopathic. Yeah, I, I especially with how complex it was and like 
crafted it was. It's just very, very weird to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I immediately jumped to the conclusion that it is a, that it is a sociopath when they state that it's a social experiment. Like, that just immediately yeah. triggers that thought. Just kind of, like, disregarding anybody's empathy and, yeah. Yeah. Um so that's like that's that's the interview section where I, I guess we can we can get into events now thank you thanks so much for for answering all those questions and we'll we'll get absolutely yeah get right into um events we're in we're at the end of uh contenders season three for for most regions here and since our last show the only contenders um region that ended was north america uh two days ago fusion university faced Atlanta rain in the championship game and ended up beating them four to two. They kind, they kind of went the distance to, to seven games uh, because there was a tie in there. Uh, but fusion university wins their third contender season in a row uh, have yet to drop a game. And they finished off uh, after being down two to one in this series, going into map five, they, did not let up a, a single point to Atlanta on Busan, Hollywood, or Dorado. Um, Joe, you're you're my fusion man. Does fusion's dominance just continue into 2019 after after these absolutely amazing three first seasons for them and contenders? Yeah, I know that was a it was a crazy match to watch for sure. I mean. Um... Like you said, after four maps being down two one, you know it, it looked relatively close um, at the, the this series. But then, yeah, something something clicked, uh, something clicked for him definitely. And then, yeah, Busan, Hollywood, Dorado, boom, 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 real quick maps, real quick points. Um, but yeah, so that's uh, I think I saw uh, they said on Twitter somewhere that uh, Alarm and Elk are now like twenty four and zero. In a row, any contenders over three seasons, um, some ridiculous like that for the support duo. But, um, but yeah, super great match to watch, and yeah, exciting now to see, um, the, you know, for this squad. You know, they've had some changes already. They lost Zachary. Um, they lost uh, Who Are You over to Meta Athena um, between last season and this one. But um, you know, while some of these uh, Overwatch League moves may be done at least uh, temporarily, but to see um now that because next season is the one that um all the academy teams automatically have a slot right yeah yeah so they're so they're definitely still going on in uh contender season four but yeah it's uh with this this roster with changsik and nice i mean it's it's really really uh you know keeping up the tradition i think that's fair to say oh yeah um it's like you were saying it's super impressive that that this team lost as much talent as as they did to, to Overwatch League and uh, still just went completely undefeated. Um, and when in those last three maps, it, the, where they just dominated, did not let up a single point, I, I was like, "Well, yeah, this is this was obviously supposed to happen." I I, I wasn't surprised for some reason. Um, and and uh, do do you watch Contenders? Uh, what what do you think about Fusion University? So. Fusion University is, without a doubt, like the best team. Obviously, considering they're champions for three seasons in a row, but honestly, I think that Elk and Alarm are probably like the best support duo, and they definitely carried. Like Elk's knowledge of the game, 
is so much deeper than literally like every other player in contenders. And Alarm is like, I'm pretty sure he's post OWL, right? They were uh, in OWL? Uh, Elkis is Alarm, Joe? Uh, not that I know of. Let me see. Um, yeah, because Elkis that? signed two A's with, uh, with Fusion first season two. I mean, like, regardless, like, they're definitely the best support duo, and they definitely hard carried a lot of games. I think um, Elk was kind of like, <laughs> I guess, the reason that they're undefeated is my take on it, and it's it's easy to see if you like see his gameplay. He does so much, like, he he does so much shot calling and um, theory crafting with his team that it's it's insane the stuff that they pull off. Um, He's able to like literally one v one anybody in the game, and um, Alarm and him are just going around assassinating like backlines every game, and I love to see it because like you discord someone and Lucio goes for literally just one a one tap and then a boop and it's like dead. Like you can't you can't react to that, and I think it's great because it really like steps up what contenders is and contenders like running goats for every team and um them getting like hecked on by just like two supports is kind of a nice feeling for me as a player because it's like hey hopefully people stop running goats kind of thing like yeah and actually counter you know the people who are carrying which is not the tanks of the team but the actual supports and maybe like running dive on the supports instead of you know yeah. trying to go for a changsik because changsik is just like he's just like if i survive we win kind of yeah so <laughs> Uh, yeah, I looked at Alarm is Elks in on Fusion, but Alarm is not old enough to be in Overwatch League yet. Oh, he's okay. seventeen, so I, I imagine he would be if he was if he was old enough. They. I noticed yeah. like most contenders players are seventeen, just because they can't get into Owl. Yeah, <sighs> and it's almost disappointing when I like when I was watching World Cup. It was disappointing when I found out people were under eighteen because I was like, I I want to see them in the big leagues because it seems like there's so yeah. many young people that are talented enough to be there so there's like 13 year olds that are in like 4400 now it's oh yeah actually insane that's crazy talking about elks uh you know game sense and whatever I, one of the first really good examples i saw of that was actually through um uh through jane that he had um maybe a month or so now um uh, he p posted a, a video of elk doing a, a vod review of like fusion university versus i want to say like it might have been second wind actually or something anyway but uh, up on his youtube channel that was super cool to watch because yeah elk uh, yeah really just very obviously knew um uh, you know knew what he was talking about uh just at, at whatever the points that he was looking at it was uh it, was, it got me interested for more i think that's <laughs> that's for sure absolutely okay and then as far as as contenders korea goes that that is coming up uh soon here i can't remember the exact date but uh in the semifinals element mystic ended up three three owing stormquake uh rest in peace kaiser my main man and then a runaway at 30 wgs runaways dominant season continues uh so it's runaway element mystic in the finals um, what what do you guys think of this matchup? Who who's gonna be coming out on top? Does Runaway uh, have it in for the repeat 
this year? Uh, well, let's see. First of all, Friday night slash Saturday morning at mid uh, midnight Eastern. So that's what nine p.m. Friday night um, on the West Coast. Um, but yeah, I was doing doing some research into this. Um, you, you know, people uh, listeners of the show. You know, I don't. Uh, I haven't followed Korean contenders too closely, but I was looking at some of these these group stages here from this season. Um, that runaway um, finished five and zero in their group. Element Mystic was four and one in theirs. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, in this playoff bracket, um, it was two three zero wins for both teams to bring into the finals here. But um, I don't know. It's um, I think both. Um, you know, for just a, a personal preference, just for the for the interest of it, but uh, uh, you know, also based on j- just in general, what I'm thinking about for these teams, that I, I want to give the edge to Runaway here. Um, and I think the the other thing I noticed that was interesting that, uh, like I mentioned, Element Mystic actually went four four and one in their group stage, um, and their their one loss actually was to Meta Athena, which went one and four. Um, with one win. Uh, yeah yeah exactly the one win um, three two which uh, sort of interestingly happens to be the team that uh, that who are you is with now is is Meta Athena but, um, but but so talking about you know at least uh, numerically you know statistically that's a uh, can be seen as a consistency issue um, there for a mistake I don't know but uh, but looking at the uh, obviously, you know the history uh, uh, there of Runaway, and you know that the support that I'm sure they're getting. You know, uh, in fact, they uh, the very first match that they took uh, to get to the finals where they are now, uh, they're in the uh, quarterfinals. Was another 3-0 against Kongdu Benthera last year's run, last year's runner-ups. You know, uh, and again, surely that was a um, pretty modified roster. But uh, but yeah, looking at all that, I think. Uh, I think it's probably fair. Um, give a little bit of edge to Runaway here, but uh, you know we'll have to see how it goes. Maybe we'll get another nail biter nine map, whatever, like we did last season. <laughs> that that would be awesome, of course. Uh, it's been super impressive to see Runaway come out this dominant after losing their entire roster. Uh, and who who do you think has this one? Me, Runaway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I and oh, oh um. Yeah. I also haven't really been following Korea, but I mean, I would assume Runaway just because usually dominant forces stay dominant. Um, just because they're, it's not like when they're off season, they're going to like degrade their, you know, attitude or gameplay styles. They're probably just going to develop them even further and um, try to outplay anybody who tries to like scout them. Yeah. Right. Which, which kind of makes sense for like Fusion University too. Like sometimes they were literally just able to predict the other team because they're like, ah, we, we know you're going to do this because you probably scouted us kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, I'm definitely going, I'm going runaway too. I don't, I don't think we're getting nine maps though. That would be crazy if we, we got that once again. Um, moving into the news, we're sticking heavily, heavily contenders this week. We only have one piece of news. Uh, and it's honestly a piece of news I could talk about for a while because I, I'm confused by by the move here, and it's that 
Um, XL2, they're, they're looking for New York native players for, for this first 2019 season, um, which which has turned out that they that they're kind of disregarding their their current roster which is a great great roster i think who was the player that said they were looking for team mangachu i think uh, all of them are yeah, yeah i mean all, all of, of them the now. like clone man, clone man is looking for team too and he's like probably like the most insane reinhardt yeah that's this is just an absolute <laughs> stunning move to me what 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 do you is this ever going to pay off for XL2 in the long run? Is this is this some people are saying it's Blizzard fault with their new with their new rules in Contender Season 3. Uh we'll start we'll start with you and what what are, what are your thoughts on this this decision by by XL2 one of what, who's been so, one of the best contenders teams too. Exactly. Like they they definitely were one of the best contenders teams and it, it's sad to see but it also makes sense to me who understands that contenders isn't really going very far. It's like literally the only point of contenders is like maybe for a team to scout them, but even then world cup is like sometimes better. And like, I think New York just doesn't want to devote money into that scene anymore. And they've done that by, essentially just getting rid of their roster and instead, you know, having people in New York who they don't need to buy housing for. They don't need to, like, really do much because they, you know, they're in the city kind of thing. And um, they no longer have to pay, like, Mangachu or Clone Man. And it's, like, sad to see, but it it makes sense. It's just very sad to see. Yeah. And I do I do slightly agree that it is partly Blizzard's fault and not supporting the tier two scene because if they supported the tier two scene, then the issue of paying players and having good players on the team wouldn't be an issue. Yeah, I I agree there. I I don't see. I don't know. It seems like XL two doesn't want to even be in contenders with this move. Kind of. I, I don't yep, know. Yep. They they're just saying, hey, let's make it like, let's make it a fun thing. You know, yeah. like just get people from the city. Yeah. Just it's a super. It super utilitarian sort of thing that you know people talking about that um that at this point you know xl2 exists to um to to, you know to how to house these um new york players that are now coming on or to feed um myxl and like there's no other um you know sort of alternative that to have these players that um you know like mangachu like cloman that um obviously doing super well on this team but uh you know realistically um aren't gonna be going up to replace uh you know mono or uh or uh like pine or somebody you know um in the future that's gonna be uh on the one hand yeah save save the resources because you're not getting um you're not getting any to come in with that and and try to do your own thing yeah it's yeah weird perspective i think that's honestly the saddest thing though is like because i I think they they got mangachu and they got clone man with the intent of hey we want a good team but we don't want to move them up to owl because we already have a good team like and i think that's kind of sad because that's exactly what's going to happen with 
you know, the New Yorkers. I doubt even like one New Yorker on their team is going to make it to OWL. Yeah, I mean, that's just because they they don't plan on having them move up. And it's kind of like a sad thing because like the whole point of people going into contenders is so that they can go into OWL 100% of the time. And I think that's I think that's, yeah, I think that's Blizzard's that's Blizzard's view too is that maybe well well Blizzard obviously would not like to put waste money where they where they can but I feel like they went into contenders saying that this is they're treating it like almost a, a baseball like MLB farm system where obviously no one watches like minor league baseball too often uh, but it's there for these professional teams to have have like a farm system and eventually be able to pull them up and new york was and in the offseason new york was utilizing that two players right brought up um from from their contenders team in the offseason they utilized it uh as much as 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 the teams that did the most in the offseason so uh, it's very interesting that they've decided to maybe drop that strategy and uh, and I mean, they have, I, I don't blame them for it. They have obviously one of the best rosters in Overwatch League, so they, they don't need it that much, but it would be nice to, I think Blizzard wants to utilize contenders as like, these are the players that are so young, they can't be in Overwatch League yet that you're just keeping uh, like under your name so you can eventually pick them up or, or they're just the players that um, need a little bit more fine tuning before you bring them up to to the majors mm-hmm. uh yeah so that's uh, anything else to say about the situation from either of you guys uh, it's gonna be weird you know <laughs> looking at their roster next season you know in this um sort of new shaped uh contender structure already that yeah i don't know <laughs> and yeah it's just i don't really have high expectations for yeah. the team anymore I don't. I don't think anyone really does. I've already seen Slasher tweeting about how he's going to join up, um, which would be hilarious. So <laughs> we we now move into our season two preview. If you haven't been listening, um, we've been previewing season two week by week. Uh, we've been doing about two teams per week. Some weeks we did three because we we unfortunately missed a week. Um, but we've just been going team by team, uh, giving giving the team uh, an off-season grade based off the moves they have made in the off-season. Did they improve their team? Did they not? Uh, we predict who we think their standout player is going to be. We give you some anticipated matchups or storylines uh, for, for this 2019 season. And then we finish it off by com- by comparing um, what we think their finish will be in Season 2 to Season 1. Will they place better? the same or worse so uh so far we have done shanghai dragons vancouver dallas Chengdu, Hangzhou, san francisco houston london atlanta boston philadelphia and new york so if 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 that's uh, one of your favorite teams go back to our old episodes and listen listen to one of those we have which teams we do in the description each week so you can easily find it but this week um we've got two uh Two, two returners from season one. We'll start off with uh, the Pacific's Los Angeles Valiant, a team that did pretty well uh, last year. Joe, I'll start out with you. 
uh, based off the rosters roster moves they have made in the offseason uh, what offseason grade would you give them yeah so um LA Valiant kind of pulled a uh, San Francisco shock in the offseason. I think it's fair to say, and by that I mean, um, uh, you know, dropping some of the uh, excess from their roster um, that they had. Uh, doing some quick math, yeah, they they ended season one with twelve players, um, and they're down to nine now after uh, uh, dropping Nunlocked, uh, Virgo, and Finzi, and also uh, traded soon to the Paris Eternal. Uh, but then in the offseason, they also picked up uh, Kuki, uh, main tank player formerly of Soul Dynasty. Um, again, bringing it, bringing that up to nine now. But um, so it's a it's sort of an interesting roster here that we've got uh, uh, Fate and Kuki as well as uh, Space uh, Izayaki sort of on this uh, tank slash uh, flex sort of role. And then Agility's Bunny and KSF for DPS, um, left with Custa and Kariv, um, you know, potentially as, as a support duo there. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a sort of interesting thing that uh, it obviously, uh, the, you know, the loss of Soon um, in the DPS that's a, that's a big, uh, significant change that they made. You know, he was um, uh, really a a powerhouse uh, for LA Valiant in season one. Uh, and so not uh, not not doing much to replace that in terms of the lineup. So you know, really, uh, uh, LA Valiant, you know, putting some uh, significance and putting some expectations onto uh, Agilities and Bunny and, and KSF, uh, who we didn't see as much uh, as much of in season one, uh, KSF in particular. But um, you know, to see how they're able to come in um, and. Uh, and and try to try to fill in that spot. Um, clearly, there's there's some confidence put on them there. But um, but I really like this tank line. Conversely, um, with uh, uh, like I said, Fate and Kuki and uh, Space in particular on the the off tank position. Uh, that that's going to be really uh, it's going to be one of their strengths, I think for sure. Um, but yeah, so in a like we we've talked about with some other teams, you know, in, in a meta that. Uh, might not have so many DPS players in it. You know, it's there are there are worse things definitely for this team, um, but uh, you, you've you've got to you've got to hope you've got to assume if you're an LA Valiant player that they've got some internal confidence going on definitely um, uh, with uh, with this lineup that they got, especially after the loss of Soon. Um, so yeah, if, if I was going to grade it, I don't know. Uh, I give them. Uh, Maybe a, a B minus or a B, I think, um, which, you know, it's just a matter of expectations that they could improve that easily um, in their first couple of matches of the season. But uh, just because we're not exactly sure where they've sort of left themselves. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Anne? What do you what do you take uh, from from them losing soon? Is is that a, a big enough? Does that do big enough damage to their DPS line that it's? just just not that good anymore can agilities bunny and ksf hold their own um i i feel like ranked i I don't really um read up too much on the news or i mean like on the off season so uh you guys probably have a lot more insight but i i guess my insight is i played with ksf bunny and agilities and i think agilities is a really really well-rounded player and i think bunny is a really really good widow maker um i'm not sure how that's gonna go though especially with like kind of a goats 
meta, I don't think that's necessarily going to go away with the armor nerfs. However, I would like to see it go away with the armor nerfs, but um, because I mean, like, you know, why, why play a game if you can't even play DPS heroes when they're half the roster, you know? Yeah. But um, I think we will see double sniper in OWL, and so I think Bunny can hold his own. I think Bunny is a very, very good Widowmaker, and um, pretty much every team has picked up a Widowmaker, like. You know, Atlanta just picked up DeFran, and he's been really, really practicing. And, you know, Florida Mayhem has Saya player playing Widowmaker. So I, I do think Widowmaker is going to be a big part of um, OWL matches. And I would like to see, like, a Genji. And I already know we're going to see McCree because Fan the Hammer's busted. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I'm glad we'll, we'll be able to get to see McCree. Uh, again, I like McCree a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think the loss of soon is, is that big of a deal for, for Los Angeles Valiant. Um, I think they already had a super well-rounded team. Um, I mean, obviously soon, probably the most popular player on this team, um, as far as, as fans, fans go, but yeah, I think losing him, not, not too big of a deal, especially in the goats meta, but, um, the addition of Kuki's pretty pretty big too. Getting him from Soul Dynasty since Soul uh, got Fissure in the off season, they they didn't really need Kuki too much anymore. So um, that's a nice little backup there for for Fate. So um, I'll give their off season grade like a B. It's I mean they didn't do too much. I can't I can't reward them too much. Uh, Joe, who do you think? Um, I mean their standout player before was obviously Soon. Everyone talked about him. Do you, who who do you think steps up in in that place this season? Um, well, you know, so um, if yeah, if we're talking about DPS players, it's definitely going to have to be, um, you know, somebody like Agilities, and obviously, um, you know, we saw how well he played on Team Canada here in the uh, uh, the World Cup. Um, you know, he's obviously obviously a really good DPS player, but yeah, to to be able to sort of restructure that um, going into it. Um, when I say anybody else. Yeah, no, I, I think agility is probably <laughs> is who I'll be watching uh, here for LA Valiant. Uh, yeah, I, I I couldn't agree more with agilities there. I think Bunny stepping up too in those sniper battles would be absolutely huge for them. Um, but I I always like looking at 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 fate. I like looking at space. I lo- I like looking at their their sort of tanky players because I think that's that's been Valiant's. Um, and butter kind of they they have a good tank line they have a consistent tank um sort of support line uh there for them as far as anticipated matchups go joe who are you who are you looking forward to them playing the most well i mean you know we've talked about uh you know all these california teams that you know shock might actually be good this season um and so that's gonna be exciting to watch uh, you know la valiant versus shock um and then uh, probably my other uh, the other one I point out definitely is going to be Paris again because we've got um, soon there, uh, but also just in general um, to see how uh, this Paris team um, can can stand up against uh, one of the better teams um, uh, from Overwatch League season one. Right? You know, I've, I think I'm on the record somewhere saying that I'm I'm really interested to see how <laughs> to see how Paris can make it through. 
with this sort of EU roster that they've um, decided to go with. But yeah, those are probably be my two picks. Yeah. Um, and any other anticipated matchups you can you can think of for the Valiant? Um, yeah. I'm just excited for like any game, honestly. <laughs> they could be playing anybody. <laughs> yeah, literally anybody. February 14th can't get here soon enough. Yeah, 30 so that, days actually I'm, from. I'm tonight. excited. I'm excited to see Fate play too because uh, I played it against him in a ranked match and he flank shattered me twice and I feel bad. So <laughs> I really want to see him flank shatter somebody else. So I feel good again. Flank shatters are the best. <laughs> so it's not, you really want to see it. So it's not only you, you know, you're not the only one getting flank shattered here. Uh huh. Uh, but yeah, that's what a long off season does. It gets you, it gets you pumped for almost anything to be on that uh, Overwatch League Twitch page. It could be any team playing each other. Um, compared to, compare, oh, and other anticipated matchups. I, I should talk about it too. Um, gladiators la 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 that's no doubt i'm looking forward to that again those were always the most type especially since it's in la um and you got both teams playing the whole crowd's going crazy um and seeing that out uh on la live in stage four is gonna be awesome i think that's the last week of the season too so uh that's gonna be cool joe compared to season one uh la valiant they finished pretty high they made the playoffs last season uh so with all these added teams it's gonna be hard to stay consistent uh especially with they didn't make too many offseason moves but they had they had a good base to start do you think they will be doing better the same or worse in 2019 yeah let's go back to look at this uh, you know obviously finished number two seed overall uh but they had a really not good stage two, uh, finished eighth in stage two, uh, despite making playoffs both in stage three and stage four. It was sort of a, a roller coaster for LA Valiant fans in season one. But um, yeah, are they going to be able to, to to pull against these eight new teams? Yeah, I, don't, I think they're uh, absolutely a top half team. Uh, I think that's fair to say. You know, they've um, they, they had a pretty uh, you know pretty big. Uh, uh, to you know, a, a target on their back almost um, by the end of the season. You know, calling them oh the the best Western team in the league. Uh, that's um, I, I think that, that could be true. Uh, it's fair to say going into uh, going into season two. But again, it's it's just a matter of uh, what uh, the expectations are for this roster and whether they can uh, you know step into that and uh, actually fill it. Um, you know, the way they're going to need to. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's pretty great. I, I did not even remember that LA Valiant, they won the Pacific Division, which is pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, what, what, and what do you think? Do you think they do better? I mean, they finished second overall, so it's it's hard to do as, as good as that, especially with all the talent coming into the league, right? Sorry, what? Oh, uh, how do you how do you do you think do you think LA Valiant will be doing will be doing as well as they did last year, which was which was second place overall with with all the new teams coming in with all the new roster changes. I mean, LA Valiant barely even changed their roster and lost one of their best players. Can they can they keep it up again this year? Um, that's interesting because like 
honestly, with all the expansion teams coming in, I'm kind of scared for them. Um, I do think like the OWL teams that are already established are probably going to perform like marginally better than the new teams coming in just because they have the advantage of coaching for like, you know, like, like two years and beyond. And then these new expansion teams are only being coached for like three months beforehand. And like, yeah, they can get good players, but I think um, they might be at a disadvantage coaching wise and coaching really does um, win games. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think I think Valiant, um, I think Valiant has the potential to to be as good as they were last year. Uh, finishing second probably could probably maybe a little bit, a little bit on the higher side. But I I think they'll they'll stay about where they are in the Pacific Division, being up top and competing for that first place, even with um, fuel adding fuel. Uh, revamping their roster and looking good uh in stage four with the shock adding some great players soul adding some great players i think valiant i think valiant can still compete um and now we move on to our second team which is very fitting for our guest today we are previewing the florida mayhem um who didn't do too well last season unfortunately uh finishing second to last overall in the league at seven and thirty-three. Um, here in the off season, they made complete changes. Brand new roster besides awesome guy Tavik and Sia player. Uh, Joe, what what do you think of the Florida Mayhem's off season? So uh, yeah, so it's, those of you who've been listening, uh, you know, for several weeks now, know. Um, I don't even know when it was in October or November or something um, when Florida announced that they were dropping um, essentially all of their uh, Nordic roster. Uh, uh, Swoosh, Logix, uh, Zupe, Zepasai, Zappas, and Manhattan. Um, and and we were, I think both of us were a little shocked uh, just at that choice, uh, leaving then awesome guy, Saya player, and Tivik. Uh, in the lineup still um and it's uh you, you know and since then they've gone uh, making the move towards essentially uh, a majority korean roster not quite all, all korean but uh adding swan uh the tank position as well as um apply from mayhem academy and bqb for dps um and uh Hagepen, uh who's been back and forth uh on i think at least two overwatch league teams so far um and Chris uh, on the uh, support role, and then Zephyr from Soul Dynasty. Um, but so yeah, interesting choices. I mean, uh, you know, we talked at the time. Uh, why did they cut Logics? Uh, we know Swoosh now actually is um, uh, uh, coaching Team Giganti, which just won a uh, the EU Contenders title for season three. Uh, but lots of these other teams, uh, or lots of these other players, you know, are now having their own success. Um, in contenders and elsewhere, but um, to, to actually look at the roster they have now, you know, nine players. Um, we, you know, we've talked about uh, how good Saya player is uh, already, even this week. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's an interesting sort of uh, sort of combination they've got going there. You know, clearly, um, I think 
Florida has like a new GM or something. I want to say this season, um, you know, who's uh, sort of taking this in a different direction. Um, but yeah, yeah, to see, um, to, to, to see if um, being able to pull the Korean roster uh, to to try to pull a try to pull a New York, try to pull a London. You know, is that the way to go? It's hard to say. Um, but you know, we're going to find out. There's not much. Um, in that sense, that can be done uh, uh, to, to to get much of a worse results. I think uh, than than season one. You know, it's uh, unfortunately it's just how it is for Florida. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm I, I don't know. Do I do I think this is a this is a, a top ten team? No. Do I think this is a top fifteen team? Um, maybe <laughs> you know. Uh, it, it, give it give it a week or two i'll be able to give you a, a definite answer but i mean um you, you know it's uh, I, don't, I don't know i think t- to lose the 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 consistent core that they had completely i think that's um a, a little a little cause for concern but you know clearly the uh the the management is uh, confident enough in in what they're doing with this um again you know completely essentially a complete roster re- rework for season two. But yeah, so, so what do I grade them? You know, I mean, I personally don't like it. Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, I don't know, it's pro- probably a little bit less than, than LA Valiant. So I don't know, give them a, give, give them a C plus, something like that. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I think, well, I, I think that they, they did need to, to flip these players. I, I think that they needed to bring in some, some new faces here which they have done almost fully um i i don't i don't know if i'm personally in too impressed with those faces they they brought in um i think hagopin is is okay and zephyr's okay i mean they they chose those two players that that we're already familiar with but but i i almost would have rather them went for um some new talent from contenders that was that everyone really wanted um on the team instead of these two players who i mean they weren't they weren't the most impressive players in season one that's why they're moving around all over the place and zephyr obviously being part of that disappointing soul dynasty team as well um so i'm not too impressed with the players they picked up um Keeping side player was an obvious to me, and um, just still having to pick there and awesome guys is fine with me as well. But overall, I'd, I'd give it like a C plus probably. It was I'm not that impressed with what the Florida Mayhem brought this off season. Uh, any standout players for you, Joe, in, in in 2019? Anyone you're looking forward to playing? Maybe maybe new on this roster, newly added. Or maybe if we've if we've missed something, I mean, do do you have uh, any any insight for us and on uh, what, what might have been happening? Uh, yeah, I actually went back and like I watched like most of the games of Florida Mayhem just because I didn't even see any of OWL season two. I like missed it. I started streaming in like January or something like last year, and I didn't really uh, I didn't really like watch any of it. Um, but I mean, I went back and I watched it and I noticed like there was a huge disconnect between the takes and the supports. And that was 100% of the reason they would always lose is because like 
you know, I'm pretty sure like Seawish is, it probably isn't his fault, but he would, you know, dive a target and his diva wouldn't follow. And then, you know, the Mercy would follow the Winston because he he would get chunked and then like the Mercy would die and get dove. And the Mercy, in a Mercy meta, dying first means an instant loss. And I noticed that happen at least like, you know, a couple times every game, like the Mercy would just die first because she would follow Seawush and it was because Seawush was obviously going to die without the D.Va support. And I'm like, honestly, kind of glad they like redid their team because there was a lot of disconnects. I don't know if it was language. I don't know what it was, but it was definitely something. Well, hopefully cool. it wasn't language because now they, they still have that that issue around their team. <laughs> yeah, they might have that issue still, but... Uh, yeah, st- standout players, Jeff. Yeah, so, um, like I said, you know, looking at Florida now, it's a very different Florida than, than what we saw before. Um, and I think uh, it's also interesting, the, out of nine players, they've got uh, four DPS players signed. You know, that's actually a, a trend we've seen in in several teams now that um, to, to have uh, lots of options, I think more than anything is what they're looking at. But um, but yeah, I think, and I think partly for that reason that I'm I, I'm more interested in, in watching um, uh, the 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 rest of the rest of the squad, you know, the tanks and supports, uh, to see how they're going to be able to enable uh, you know people like Sia Player uh, into they can apply. Uh, uh, to, to to put them in situations where they can be successful, because you know we saw you know Sia player clearly can be successful, um, uh, you know, and, and lots of these other players can be too. But um, but yeah, so I want to see uh, what I want to see. I want to see like awesome guys Zephyr. Uh, I want to see how that is able to develop. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's uh, yeah, it's for some combination of the tanks and supports. I think for me. Yeah, how about you? And have you played with any of these guys on ladder? You, does anyone, any names stand out to you? Um, specifically, maybe out of the new names they added. Um, who are the new names? So they got you know. Swan from uh, Energy Esports, and in Contenders they got Apply from their own academy team, uh, BQB from Korean Contenders, Hagopin, uh, who was floating around Overwatch League last year. Chris from Metathena in Korea, and then Zephyr, who was on Soul Dynasty. Um, I've played with Apply, and I have, um, I think I played with another player, but um, I mean, like, I hope I hope Apply like really performs, even though he he got banned for two games. I I played with him, and he's very 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 shot caller pma and like even if we just get completely steamrolled he'll be like okay we can still win this like we just have to you know organize and i think that attitude goes really far like imagine being like too owed and then giving up like i think that's worse for teams because it's totally possible in this game to like literally 3-0 them back like yeah it's totally possible oh yeah which is kind of the nice part of this game is it's not really um anybody's game until they win yeah that's i that's 
what I find so entertaining about it too, if I'm if I'm watching it, I, if there's a three zero and it was dominant, I'm like, well, it's it's definitely not over yet. This 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 game's still up for grabs. Uh, but I yeah, I totally think Apply could succeed. I think Florida had some pretty strong DPS, specifically Sia player, um, and it's hard not to choose Sia player as my standout player because I am impressed with him uh, as a player uh, completely. So I'm just gonna go with Sia player. Uh, again, uh, he would be my standout player last year. I'll do. I'll choose him uh, to be that once again in 2019. Any anticipated matchups you got for the Florida Mayhem, Joe? I know they haven't been. They weren't too competitive last year, but um, and they they didn't build up too many rivalries because of it. But is there any anyone you're looking forward to seeing them play? Mm, um, I mean, if we're talking about um, you know players that. Uh, uh, you, you know, players with history. I mean, uh, we look at Zephyr coming from Soul Dynasty and that sort of thing. Um, but it, I think also it'll be, uh, you know, notable. I think whenever it happens that uh, that Florida and Shanghai uh, play play their one match of the season. Um, again, it's just thinking about uh, from from season one history uh, that you know we're expecting Shanghai to be a much better team. Uh, uh, this season than last, and so to to be able to make that connection uh, and and see, uh, I don't know what, uh, what stage it'll happen in, but uh, you know the way uh, that it's definitely gonna be a, a really different picture season two compared to season one. Uh, you know, no matter what it is, but yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. I I think looking looking at some other matchups, maybe their first. The first matchup against Atlanta with uh, DeFran versus McDonald's. Uh, maybe Zephyr going up against Seoul Dynasty again. Uh, Florida didn't, they didn't really make any rivals in season one or just because of how poor they did. I don't think anyone was anticipating too many of their matchups. Um, so it should be interesting this season. So to finish it off, I mean, Florida, I think everyone in, in their power rankings I've seen so far, they're thinking – they're thinking the same position for Florida. They're thinking like second to last ish, not doing too well. Um, and I know you, you might be biased since this is your, this is uh, the people who signed you. Uh, but do you, do you think people are underestimating this new Florida roster? Do you think they can do better than they did last season? Um, there's no way to tell because I don't know the players, but I'm really hoping. Otherwise, I'm going to join the team and carry them. <laughs> you you heard it here first. Yeah, That's yeah. What I was gonna say. I, I, think, I think if they're doing poorly again, they just they bring it they bring it up to the to the main roster. Honestly, um, yeah, Joe. Did, what do you, what do you think about uh, about this Florida roster? Do, do they do they have it in them to to place better than second to last this season? Yeah, so um, I, th- I think I mentioned this last week. I forget for what team, but um, is it that my my placings tend to be generous? I think, but it'll be uh, it'll be uh, a bit more telling once we actually do our full uh, twenty team rundown here eventually. But um, yeah, I think uh, unfortunately I am going to have to put them in the the bottom quarter definitely of teams um, with uh, with rosters like uh, Chengdu or Washington. Um, which you know, unfortunately, is um, just what we're looking at. But again, I, I sort of always preface this. You know, I, I I absolutely invite them to to prove me wrong and and uh, 
uh, we'll have a, a good season out of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think they are about bottom quarter, unfortunately. It's kind of sad that they're like I feel they're the only like inaugural season team that's sitting there with all the new expansion teams at the bottom of most people's power rankings, which is it's sad. I feel like people are maybe underestimating them a little bit because they have the infrastructure there as far as coaching and the and, and the whole organization goes. So it's it's kind of sad that everyone's predicting them to do to do that poorly. But I think they'll do a little bit better. I don't think they're going to get second to last. I don't think they're going to make playoffs or finish in the top half, but. Um, I think there are a good amount of expansion teams that are worse than this team. So, yeah, that's that's my take as well. Is like, like the expansion teams are probably going to be, on average, like lower ranked. Yeah, um, it, it's kind of. I think everyone's there are a lot of people, overranking a lot of the expansion teams so far, um, because it's just because there's a lot of favorites on the new teams and but, hype. Yeah. Mm-hmm some what hype around do? some players and uh yeah i think if anything the expansion teams might start out pretty poorly and then eventually once they get used to it get get, get a lot better but that still doesn't mean top place finishes because of i mean a poor first first half so that's that's it for this week's episode thank you so much for for joining us and before we go do you want to plug your social media one more time yeah so you can follow me on twitch at um andro or you can follow me on twitter youtube instagram at andro media and yeah i hope you see you around yeah uh thank you thanks so much for joining us and if, if you guys didn't know now you can follow our personal social medias at jw george iv and joe's is at kirkpatrick underscore inc the shows is at on the flank show uh, we have an email on the flank show at gmail.com. You can either tweet at us or email us if you have any topics you'd like us to talk about. Of course, you're listening to this in some way, but if you want to listen to it in a different way, we are on onthefflank.podbean.com, my personal YouTube channel, which is John George. You could most likely find that on my Twitter page, iTunes and Apple Podcasts. If you're an iPhone user and an Android user, we're on Spotify and Google Play. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Thanks once again to Anne for joining us, and uh, we'll check you guys out next week.